0: Good morning. Welcome to Friends. Glad you are here today on this uh, summer Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn to the book of Galatians in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians. Galatians. If you don't have a Bible, there's some in the seats below you. It's going to be on the screens. For those of you watching on live stream, welcome to you. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We're beginning a new series today uh, in the book of Galatians, and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. But this has been a great weekend for us at Friends as uh, Friday night, uh, about 350 people walked through Rooted, and we had over 300 people at the celebration Friday night. And uh, we celebrated uh, them walking through 10 weeks of this great experience, and we baptized 28 people, which is awesome. We give all those people a hand. Many shared their testimony through cards and share what God was doing. And in this 10-week experience, really, if uh, you're new to friends, This is your next step after you come to connect with friends and learn about what's going on at the church to get into this 10-week experience. We take the summer off. It starts September 11th. But what a great opportunity not only meet people but be in community and learn really the foundation of what we teach here and the foundation of Scripture. And what Jesus is doing in the hearts and lives of our people is awesome. And this morning... You're going to experience baptism in this service at the very end. There's 12 people that uh, walk through the class on top of those 28. They're going to get baptized this morning. So in a minute we're, minute, we're going to party and celebrate because that's what we do here. So we're going to need you to be loud and cheerful. So I'll try and keep you awake for the next 30 minutes. Is that all right? Yeah. Awesome. Good. How many of you uh, love game shows? Anybody like game shows? I don't know if you've seen, but there's this resurgence of game shows that's coming back. And uh, I just flipped the channel the other night and to tell the truth was on. Remember that? Yeah, it started in 1956 and there's been some rendition of To Tell the Truth since then. And uh, what it is, if you don't know, there's four celebrities that hang out and uh, they look at these three people that come out and two people are imposters and cheap imitations and one person is the person. All of them really are trying to confuse the panel, uh, but there's one person that is the person. The other two lie the whole night and they have license to lie. And so, if you ever watched it, the night? I watched. Uh, they were trying to figure out who the voice of Siri was. <laughs> yeah, some lady from Georgia, middle of Georgia, and uh, she didn't fake out anybody. They all got her. So, uh, but to tell the truth, the imposters come, the cheap imitations. They are there. How many of you like to to shop and find really great deals or cheap deals? Anybody like that? Yeah, last service was just men that raised their hand. This service is <laughs> women. Um, I don't know, you go to New York or some other big cities, and if you walk the streets, they got like Louis Vuitton purses, and then they got pocketbooks and clothes, and they got watches. And I was able to get my hands on a couple watches. Um, These are Rolex watches. (laughs) Oops, upside down. And one is a cheap imitation, and one is the real thing. And from there, can you tell which one is which? Anybody think that's the cheap imitation or the real thing? That's real. That's real. You're wrong. (laughs) That's the cheap imitation. If you came up close, you start to see it's chipping away on the top, and yeah, it's. I've had it for 10 years and I paid 25 bucks. Still works. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) This is the real deal. You could tell because of the weight and the cost. If you priced it out, cheap imitation. I love cheap imitations some of us uh, might not know it but the same thing happens in religion there's a bunch of man-made cheap imitations that try and confuse and draw people in I had this little pamphlet in my office and I uh, started looking at it and it, it's, it's pretty interesting because it, it it lists Christianity and then it, it lists all the cults and religions and, and what they believe and if you look at the 17 other religions, from Islam to Jehovah's Witness to Mormonism to the Unification Church to Church of Science, you begin to see the cheap imitations. And you begin to see uh, those man-made religions and what they believe is true. I read about the Unification Church, and, and, and it said this, and it contradicts itself in its statement of uh, really what they believe. They said, Jesus was a perfect man. He wasn't God. He's the son of Zechariah. He's not born of a virgin. His mission was to unite the Jews behind him, find a perfect bride, begin a perfect family. And so this perfect man, who was supposed to have everything perfect, then it just says, the mission failed. <laughs> Jesus does not resurrect physically. The second coming of Christ is fu- fulfilled by Son Myung Moon, who is superior to Jesus and will finish Jesus' mission. Interesting imposters, all basing themselves mostly upon man-made religions that were invented. But then I began to think about us as followers of Jesus. Those in this room that call you uh, yourself a follower of Jesus, uh, you might have grown up with an imitation, with a system of religion that was maybe an imposter to what the gospel really was. Some churches taught that you were saved when you surrendered yourself to Christ, plus right behavior, plus good living and right beliefs, and that somehow that was going to maintain you being saved. And what they're teaching is that the idea we are saved because of the level of faith we have, but it was the gospel that says you are saved through faith, not because of your faith. And before you know it, your salvation in this kind of religion is based upon your behavior. And then in essence, that behavior becomes your savior. Others have taught that, man, if you're a good person and you're a person of virtue, and you do a bunch of good works, then you, you're good, you are working your way to God. And Tim Keller says if you're a good person and uh, if you are living in that light and that is your religion and what you're basing upon, really it's a view of intolerance to the grace of Jesus Christ. He says as being a good person or loving people is seen, seen as enough to get to God and have his approval, then that means that Jesus' death wasn't necessary and all it takes is your virtue and your effort to be good. He said, well, that actually would eliminate bad people and any chance of them experiencing the saving grace of Christ. It becomes an exclusive religion and not an inclusive relationship. And many have fallen into the trap of religion based upon performance. Many have believed that being a good person is enough to earn your way to heaven. And it's not outside the walls of Christianity that have caused so much confusion. It's actually been inside the walls. Paul in Ephesians says, well, let me just make it clear. Here's what salvation is about. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that nobody can boast. So what Paul says is, it has nothing to do with you. But it was what Jesus did for you. And he begins to unfold what this... Evidence of grace is that we've been saved by. But for many in the room, uh, you might look and have grown up in a system of religion that still causes conflict today. You might have even looked and thought, faith and works, it sounds pretty harmless, doesn't it? And it's even helpful, especially in a society like ours, where everything is based upon our works and our performance and we continue to get to the next level and the next level. Well, why wouldn't that be what this religion thing is all about but at the core we're going to find out through the book of Galatians that that's just a cheap imitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ this book was written in around 48 AD Um, Paul had already visited the region of Galatia and there was multiple churches that he was starting We are presuming that he is in Antioch, another city, he's hanging out with Barnabas, and he hears this news of what's going on in the churches in Galatia, and they uh, are, are writing back, and it has come back to his attention, and this is why he wrote this letter, because there was this group of Judaizers, Judaizers are Jews that were turning from the gospel or adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ that Paul taught. They were actually going backwards instead of going forwards. They were actually adding the law of Moses and putting as Jesus plus... And Paul says, wait a minute, um, I I need to to nip this in the bud. This isn't going to happen on my watch. And so he identifies himself at the beginning of Galatians here in chapter 1 as an apostle of the Lord. And throughout the summer, uh, we're going to look at Galatians 5 and 6 for the next eight weeks. So today is the introduction. It's like episode one, it's the pilot episode. So my prayer is that you actually enjoy the pilot episode, that you'll come back because I think the next eight episodes are gonna be really, really good for you and your walk with Jesus. So today, I'll I'll try and do it justice in the introduction, but we need to set context for what we're gonna study over the next eight weeks out of this great letter that Paul wrote. So what is Galatians really about? I love the way Chuck Swindoll described it. He said it like this. Paul's letter to the Galatians sets us free. That's really the line you need to really grasp. Paul's letter to the Galatians sets us free. It's bold statement of liberating grace that points us away from a false gospel of self-empowered works and toward the true gospel of faith and spirit-empowered love. That's, in essence, this letter that we're gonna study. And Paul today helps us defend this notion that we were saved by grace. He warns against the cheap imitation. He upholds the value of salvation. He condemns legalism. And he really champions grace. And he reminds us this. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, not only is the sinner saved by grace, but that the saved sinner actually lives by grace as well. God saved us. Now he empowers us to live differently by his spirit that dwells within our hearts. So... Here's the scene, hanging out in Antioch. Him and Barnabas are there, and they're having dinner, and somebody comes in and relays this message of what's going on in Galatia and these churches, and Paul gets a little bit fiery, and he begins to pin what he wants to write to these churches to send back. He starts out as he normally does in verse 3 with a greeting, and he says this, grace and peace, verse 3 of chapter 1, to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present a- evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He reminds them that the message of grace is a message of grace and it brings peace. He sets the stage it is because of his Father that he sent his Son, Jesus Christ, for all people that they needed to be rescued and were in need of a Savior and need of this great grace. And that is why he was sent there, because the present age was evil. And God knew that every one of us needed a Savior. And He sets it all up and He gives them this opening and He says, Amen, may it be so, may you believe it. And then the tone changes, the message shifts, and Paul seems to really unleash the crux of what this letter is all about to this people. And He begins to share plainly and He doesn't sugarcoat any of His words. So here's what He says I am astonished. That you are deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. It's really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should try and preach to you another gospel, that the one we preach to you will let them be under God's curse, as we have already said. So I'm going to say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I'm astonished. I am shocked. I cannot believe what you guys have bought into. And it really looks and says, I'm not astonished that you bought into an idea or a movement, but I am astonished that you quickly deserted the very one, Jesus Christ, who called you by faith. You're deserting a person not an idea not a movement I'm shocked that you didn't believe that his death on the cross was enough for you and when it comes to the gospel Paul says man I gotta protect it and I'm gonna deal with it head on and he boldly and firmly goes after this he wasn't worried about the repercussions he wasn't gonna worry about what people thought he just wrote down what his heart was saying and he said This has got to stop because he understood if they didn't nip it in the bud right then, the repercussions were going to be great for years to come. So he says, I'm astonished. I can't even believe that you have done this. And what he is saying is, listen, if you believe on the name of Jesus Christ plus works, plus rituals, plus ceremonies, then here's what's going to happen. You are headed for trouble, Because here's what I want you to understand. To embrace legalism means you are rejecting God and his son. To embrace a list of do's and don'ts and put it at the level of Jesus Christ means you are missing out on what the gospel is all about. So these religious people, these Judaizers, come in and they say to the new converts, hey, I know you just uh, were born again. I know you became a, a Christian. And it said that you were saved by grace, but, but that's just way too simple. There's got to be more. If you really want to be holy, if you want to look holy, if you want to present yourselves holy, you must not just accept Jesus as your Savior. You need to obey the law as well. That just can't be enough on its own. And Paul says, I am astonished that you bought in to this load of garbage, Grace, redemption, hope, freedom is not based on this exhaustive list of do's and don'ts. It is motivated by grace that was freely given to you and Spirit-empowered for you to live a life of love for your God and to serve others. And what Paul is saying is, you guys bought into the religion of legalism and you are missing out on the relationship with the Savior of the world. I love how Charles Ryrie defines legalism. He says this, it's a fleshly attitude which conforms to a code for the purpose of exalting itself. And Paul says, you're sold a cheap imitation of the gospel. And in fact, it's not even the gospel at all. You're not going to be able to keep up. You're not going to be able to do enough dues and to do enough rights to work and earn your way to God. So you are missing out. What he was really saying was this. Jesus plus anything when it comes to the gospel equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing, it equals everything. You're deserting, my friends, a person who died and rose again and freed you from a thing or an idea that actually the law will enslave you. So, for those of you who grew up in a religious system, maybe you grew up in the church, maybe you grew up in a denomination, I want you to look back and and think about the system you were brought up in. I want to think through it. If you were ever taught or people led you to believe that it was the gospel of Jesus Christ and anything else for your salvation. And I want you to look at it through that lens of legalism. See, here's what legalism carries with it. Legalism carries two things. There are man-made rules and regulations that are enforced by guilt and shame. Man-made regulations that are enforced by guilt and by shame. And some of you grew up in a, a system which they equated the three R's of religion with the gospel of Jesus. And the three R's of religion are these three things. They are rules, regulations, and rituals. Rules, the do's and don'ts that you've got to live by, regulations, and rituals that you perform. Now let me tell you something. Those things in and of itself are not bad. Rules are not good. Boundaries are not bad. Rituals taking of the sacraments, having baptism, other things, those are great, but the moment someone equates those to the level of Jesus Christ, and it's Jesus plus something else, and that is earning and working your way to God the Father, then that's when they are teaching you a gospel that is based on legalism and religion, and Paul says it's a different gospel. In fact, it's not even a gospel at all. But what has happened is this. In many churches and systems, Those things have overtaken the gospel. And they've gotten us caught in guilt and shame. And many of you here today still carry the guilt and shame from when you were a kid or when you were growing up because of the religious system you were brought up in. And Paul says, I'm writing this letter to free you today because Jesus came and he was enough. And the do's and don'ts of religion aren't going to get you closer to God. And he goes on in verse 7 and he says this, It really isn't any gospel at all. And evidently, there are some people that are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. So God calls you. You didn't call him. It's his gospel, not ours. And even though we didn't deserve it, he accepted us just as we are. And the order is God accepts us, and then we trust him and we follow him. And that is why he says you turn to a different gospel, in fact, no gospel at all. And then he goes into this phrase, people are throwing you into confusion. Or there's another phrase in some of your translations, as there are people that are troubling you. That word trouble translated in the Greek uh, or confusion is translated seasick. Same word that was used in Matthew 14 when Jesus was out on the water and the storms came and the disciples looked and they were scared to death because Jesus was out there walking on water and there was a storm. They didn't know what to do. They were tossed about. They were confused. They were overwhelmed. And he says, this is the word. Some of you are overwhelmed right now. You are so confused and messed up in the religious system that they're offering you that you are buying it hook, line, and sinker and you are headed for trouble because it's not even a gospel. And he says, quit being tossed around to and fro. And then he gets really harsh. And he says, but even, verse 8 and 9, if we were an angel from heaven should preach the gospel other than the one we preach, let them be under God's curse. I think everybody read it. I think everybody could understand it. But he just decided, as we do to our kids, (laughs) hey, just in case you didn't hear it, I'm going to tell you one more time. As we've already said, so I say it again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Paul's saying this, to play with God's word and the truth of the gospel, you are playing with eternal life and death. Don't mess with it. But it also means, for those of us who follow Jesus, that the very practical life that we live that sometimes is couched in fear and anxiety and guilt or as the scripture calls it, the sense of condemnation will always be attached to a different gospel and not the gospel of Jesus Christ because it says now, because Jesus came and died on a cross, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the enemy will continue to try and take you away from believing that the gospel of Jesus is enough. And he intently says, may they be under The curse. And what he was saying is, This is the hill I'm going to die on. This is the argument I'm going to make, and it is worth giving my life for. I don't care what any of you think because your spiritual lives are at stake today. And so he goes right after him because here's what he understands the true gospel frees us from trying to earn or maintain our right status with God. But it also keeps us from running and living towards the other extreme, which is willfully sinning in the name of freedom, doing whatever we want because we've been saved. See, people saved by grace are sealed by the Spirit. He works in us that our lives might be different, that we might love and obey the Word of God, and that we might walk differently, not to do whatever we want to do, but actually now we want to do what God wants us to do because our lives have been transformed by the power of grace, and we don't want to do anything else. Galatians 5.1. Next weekend, Chris is going to go into this, and I want you to turn your Bibles to that scripture, Galatians 5.1, because this is the crux scripture of Galatians. And this is what Paul was trying to get across. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom. Jesus came to set you free. Quit being enslaved to the guilt and the shame and the condemnation that the law and that religion brings upon you. Here's what you need to understand today. The gospel is your license to live freely, but not your ticket to freely live. The gospel is your license to live freely, but not your ticket to freely live. See, when when people come to Jesus Christ, it's not that, okay, I'm saved for eternity, now I can just do whatever the heck I want to do. No, there is actually a desire that your life wants to change, and we're going to talk about what that looks like when the fruit of God's spirit is lived out in your life over the next few weeks. But that there is a conversion moment that you say, you know what? (laughs) God's word and what he says here, that's really what I want to do. And it doesn't mean that temptation's not going to come, and it doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to win sometimes, but it does mean that your heart has been turned, and it's not that you freely just go and do whatever you want and say, it doesn't matter, I'm saved. Because if there's a conversion and a change, then you actually want to live differently because God's grace was enough for you. Now, I'm not into acronyms and trying to give you three R's and all that stuff, but this is one of the good ones. If you've been in church a long time, you probably know it, but what is grace? Grace is this. It is God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. You can experience the riches of God, the Father, the creator of the universe because Christ paid it all and he did it so you could live in freedom and not ever again be in the yoke of slavery to the law. So the stakes are high. He knew what was going on. He understood what was about ready to happen. He knew this, that if the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ that he was preaching was true, then both the glory of Jesus Christ and the salvation of men were at stake. And if men could actually be saved by works and the do's and don'ts, then guess what? Christ died in vain. He understood that if they bought into that, the cross, that the, the cross had lost its meaning, it was empty. And if men are taught a false gospel They are being led from the one thing that can actually save them, and they are being turned to the one that will cause them ultimate destruction. So what does it mean for you? How can you be sure you're living out the right gospel? How can you be sure you know actually what you believe? Well, Paul answers that for us as well. And so, for you individually, if you're a follower of Jesus and somebody is asking you, well, what what do you actually believe? What is this gospel of Jesus Christ? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's going to be on the screen. And these four verses or so is what we believe. And here's what Paul passed on He said, For what I received, verse 3, chapter 15, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Love that line. One abnormally born. And then he goes in and he just says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but I am who I am because of what Jesus Christ did on a cross, and I love that part. I am the worst of sinners, he calls himself. What he's basically saying is, the thing that's gonna get in your way from really choosing to follow and accept Jesus Christ is your pride, that you think you got it all together and that you can do this without God. And Paul goes, man, I'm the the least of the apostles, I shouldn't even be here. I persecuted because of God's grace. I was saved. And if he can save Paul, he can save you. And I've said it before, if there is a guy that predicts his death and his burial and his resurrection and he actually comes through and does it, I want to be on that dude's side and I'm on his team. And there is historical evidence that our Savior is... Jesus did just what he said he did and he said this it is enough for you to be saved so there's your gospel there's what we believe so what does it mean for us as a church the place you attend and and call home well it means this that it's because of God's word that the church exists God's Word doesn't exer- exist because of the church. So what we're going to do is follow God's word. We wouldn't even be here if this wasn't here, because in the beginning was the word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. John 1 said. So at this church, we're going to preach the gospel, and as elders, what we decided is we're going to not major in the minors. We're going to major in the majors. Because what we understand is the minors gets us caught up in a cheap imitation of what a relationship with Jesus Christ is. And I look at all those cults that were start by human beings, and I look at churches, and I look at all the things that cause conflict within the church, and most of the time it's not over the majors, it's over the minors. So he we said, we're going to major in the minors. Because Jesus said, there's people that are dying and are going to be separated from my Father for eternity. And that better be priority to you. And so today, the gospel we're going to preach, we're going to do our best to do this and preach what I just said. Which means this, and I want to commend you as a church. Been here a long time, but man, I don't get emails about things that don't matter anymore. I don't get emails about the color of a carpet, I don't get emails about the music being too loud. You guys probably talk about it, but I don't get it. Maybe you just know I won't listen anymore, but you just, you don't do it, and I wanna say thank you. Because guess what? I talk to pastors all the time, man, and some of my friends get reamed out week in and week out about the music. You're gonna to go to heaven And guess what? I'm guessing, I'm guessing it's going to be loud. I'm I'm, I'm not sure. I hate country. There's probably going to be country. I don't know. God, you wondered why I wasn't here last week. No, I was on vacation. No, I heard it was awesome. But And when my friends get letters, and people don't sign their names, and rip them a new one, they're caught up in a different gospel. And when churches split over carpet colors, and churches do this, you need to know that. They're caught up in things that don't matter. So you need to understand, we we want to do the best to love you and to do the best before God, and we want to listen. But you just need to know, you as a church have been phenomenal. And what I think it is, it's all of us are growing. I'll, I'll remind you, I don't like everything that goes on up here. I don't even like my messages most of the time. But I'll tell you what, when I ask people to stand on Friday night and say, I believe... first lady that stood up and was bold enough to say, I believe, you know what it says in heaven? Party. (laughs) There's a celebration. She ain't going to care what color the carpet was. She ain't going to care how cold it was. She ain't care if the music's loud and people are bouncing on the stage. What she cares about is that Jesus saved her by his grace and she didn't deserve it. And she understood what it meant now to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're not going to major in the minors. We're going to major on what Jesus called us to major in. And if you're new to this church, guess what? We are so far from perfect, and we're going to screw up, and we're going to mess up, and we'll own it. But we're going to do our best to honor Jesus. Because at the end of the day, none of the other stuff matters. It just doesn't. It's a cheap imitation. Don't buy into it. Don't get caught up in the religious system. It's tarnished, it fades away, it's worthless. And today as we close, some of you just need to be freed from the system you grew up in. Some of you need to admit that man, rituals and ceremonies and things I did or didn't do were placed on the same level of the gospel of Jesus Christ and God I'm sorry and I thank you that I can let that go today. My prayer is some of you would be freed and you would walk out of here with no condemnation because if you're a follower of Jesus, there isn't any. And today I pray that you would walk out of here understanding that you have freedom. But the gospel, it's your license to live freely. It's not your ticket to freely live. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus and anything else, doesn't matter. Today, let's be the church that calls people to repentance. Let's be the church that celebrates those who come up out of the pool because they now, in a moment, are identifying with Jesus' death and his burial and his resurrection, and what they are saying, I am deciding to follow Jesus Christ. I pray that's the gospel you live, and I pray that's the savior you choose to follow because everything else, it's a cheap imitation. Stand with me. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to pray. And uh, I'm going to walk over and we're going to start baptizing people. And what I need you to do is I need you to celebrate. We're going to sing and we're going to make a statement of what we believe. And really, this is our proclamation that we believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ, the Son. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. And today, we're going to watch people's lives who are transformed. So let's join in and celebrate. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for this great letter that Paul wrote. Thank you, God, we can be free today. So I pray for freedom in Jesus Christ. God, that the gospel sets us free. It's not Jesus plus. May we just get rid of that, God. And may we say you are enough, that your cross wasn't in vain, that you died for our sins. So we say thank you. We rejoice and celebrate now with those that come into this pool. And we ask God that it would be a great celebration as we know it's going on in heaven. So may we join in and may you continue to bless this church for your honor and your glory. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.